welcome back to this amazing podcast that's just taking the world by storm, Tassie Sport Lounge. What a what a lounge it is. It's a bit empty today, actually. Uh, we've got a huge show lined up, potentially. Although the feedback at this stage is a little bit <laughs> negative. So this is who we had. Green Hall, Tassie cricket legend. Uh, the Hurricanes, of course, uh, played this week and we were going to catch up with her. At this stage, it's not looking good. Not ideal. We yeah. had uh, Jack Rewalt. Uh, the only reason we can get him, by the way, is because he's related to you, Smithy. Yes, he is, he is a cousin and it does help. So managed to pull some strings. and so, uh, Tell the truth, mate. You've gone straight past the media managers of all the clubs, gone straight to your family. Mate, when you try the media managers and they don't get back to you, they're not doing a lot of managing, are they? So yeah. I tried my best and I went, right, I'll just slip him a little text and see if he's mid-celebrations and he was happy to join us. So, yeah, we'll definitely get him on Having the line. Having said that, you just tried to call him and he's not answering. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, can't get Corinne potentially. We'll go for Matty Wade, the captain of the Tasmanian Tigers. Uh, how are we going with that? Still waiting on that. Still so, on that. Yeah. so let's go that too. So that's Caitlin's brother-in-law. So Caitlin hasn't deli- – she's delivered donuts. Is that we clear this on that? Caitlin who? Let's where is she? Ka- Caitlin. <laughs> we've, yeah. we've got a good record here, don't we? I wasn't here for episode one. Caitlin's missed episode four. It's so a Caitlin, bit of a rolling door. And you're right. Door. Caitlin, Ka- Caitlin's brother-in-law is Matty Wade. It's, it's degrading into a show where we only talk to people who we're related to. And even then we can't get them. Are you related to Michael Jordan? We're still waiting for Michael still Jordan. Donuts, Strangely yeah. enough, a lot of people have said, mentioned the resemblance. And, and yes. <laughs> I'm pretty confident <laughs> the big MJ will be on today. One who we pretty well guaranteed is of the same calibre is Simon Hawkes, great local golfer. Had a blinder actually in 2019. He was going really well and got into the uh, Pro-Am. He was into the PGA, wasn't he? And unfortunately COVID, it would be interesting to talk to him about COVID. So at this stage really we just can talk amongst ourselves. Uh, I, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, after the great Richmond win, I was going for Richmond. Night grand finals? No, I'm actually a fan of the day. Yeah, I agree. It was a very funny feeling when you get to the first bounce at 7.30 and normally you're probably going to bed, aren't you, after a big day on the, on a few cans and oh, whatnot and you had people, to try and stay up and watch mate, it. <laughs> a few people went hard early and they were struggling by the time the big game came. Like, you know what it's like normally. People get there at 12 and they've had it by 3 o'clock. Imagine what it's like – I know that a few absolutely peaked about 3.30. <laughs> they still had hours. I just see a lack. Personally, I mean, I was lucky because I had to watch my stepson play cricket all day Saturday, so I wouldn't have been watching the granny. But I just thought it lacked a bit of atmosphere. I know it was in Brisbane, so it was a bit different. But the night granny to me just doesn't have the same as that Saturday <laughs> afternoon. What are you doing? That's <laughs> Smithy. <laughs> I, I think Jack's trying to call us back. <laughs> we better move on, though. Oh, we can talk look, about this forever. We can have a chat to Jack and we might be able to come back into it, hey? Yeah, and if anyone, anyone wants to contact us with a relation of theirs who plays sport, give us a call. Well, finally, someone who was on our huge show today has actually turned up, and only because he's a relation of one of our panel. It's Smithy's cousin. A fairly famous cousin and someone who'd be very happy and probably still a bit worn out, Jack Rewild. Yeah, guys. How, how are we going? Mate, how are you feeling? You must have had a few days of massive I'm celebrations. I'm Not dusty, no, Martin. Right now I'm doing what everyone loves to do after I've had three solid days on the surface of moving house. So, well, I say moving house, I'm moving everything into a truck to ship it back to Victoria and move out of the, the sunny sunshine, sunshine state, I should say, and... Um, get back to uh, some sort of normal reality life. 
so let's go. You'll send that to Victoria, mate, but you'll fly down here. Is that how it works? I hear you're uh, yeah, jetting back for a bit of time in Tassie. Yeah, no, that's right. Point. We're heading back to Tassie on uh, Wednesday, so back for a couple of weeks and then um, yeah, back to Victoria after that. But everything's going to back to Tigerland and then um, all the joys of moving. I'll get to do it again in two weeks, so I've got to go and pick all this crap up again and drag it home. So, um, not, not, not the greatest thing you're doing with a hangover, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Mate, uh, Jack, this is Aldi. I, I watched you last night on 360. I was saying to the guys, <laughs> your performance on there last night was unbelievable, given you'd obviously had a big day. I know you sort of said you'd gone home and done some family duties and stuff. How how hard was that last night? Because you were unbelievable. Like, credit to you, mate. You were fantastic. But that must have been pretty tough. You, you would have the boys yeah. in the background punting. You'd had a big day on the Terps. You grabbed the beer. How yeah, hard was, was that last tough. night? Um, I, I sort of tried to do some forward thinking. Um, and I went and got a set of headphones from the local Puma Servo up here. And um, spent 11 bucks <laughs> on these headphones thing. And I was really smart. And took them out of the pack and realized that I've got an iPhone. Um, and these are just the old sort of headphone <laughs> connection. Uh, connection jack. <laughs> then um, yeah, had to scrap that idea and had the had the hand cup around the speaker so I can actually hear what the boys are saying. Um, so, but it was uh, no good fun. It's something I've been very lucky to do three times now. Obviously, doing that that final show for three sixty after winning the flag, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's a, a great little interview. Um, last night was under probably trickier circumstances than the other two I've done. Now, mate, one thing that was so noticeable in that grand final was the fact that Richmond always seemed to have belief. Even when Geelong were right on top, that last five minutes of the second quarter, there just seemed to be a belief in the team and then Dusty pulled out a miracle goal. Did you at any time in that second quarter feel like Geelong were all over you and you might lose? Oh, it? look, sort of felt like they were uh, certainly on top of this. But um, you'd be surprised at how many conversations actually happen, like in general, out on, out on the ground. So um, probably a real strength of our group is that we communicate um, through through lines uh, so back and forwards a, a fair bit out on the ground especially post goals and, and slow plays so we feel like we've got a pretty good sort of leadership core in each of those lines so those lines of communication can open up and you actually start to create a dialogue on, on how you think the game's going and, and areas that we think we can improve and, and like real live feedback for, for each line, um, which I think sort of holds us in good stead because if you've got someone constantly reminding you and you're constantly reminding someone else that, hey, it's okay, we, let's fix this and then address this issue, um, that we, we feel like we can sort of put ourselves in a position to, to get back into the game. And, and clearly we did that on the weekend. And, um, yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have a lot of leaders over, over all parts of the ground. How does it sit, mate? I saw a story in the aftermath on the Sunday about you're a three-time premiership player, obviously a Coleman medalist, All-Australian, club best and fairest. You'll, you'll end up one of Tasmania's greatest footballers, I suppose. Does, does that sink in at all, I guess, your standing in the game, not only in, in, in Tasmanian circles, but at that age? Um, oh, you reflect on it a little bit, but um, I think just yeah, the the height of, of everything is you just get consumed by the the thrill of the, the time and, and for me it's just been enjoying what this year's brought. It's been very different. Um, but it's also been extremely satisfying and, and, and clearly winning the premiership in 
probably the trickiest year to, to get through and navigate. Um, it's been, yeah, probably the, the out of the three that I've been involved in, certainly the most satisfying. Mate, what's your thoughts on a night grand final? Are you, are you a day or a night um, I quite like the day grand finals. I actually like playing red footies a little bit more than the yellow ones. Um, but I think from just the, I suppose, the entertainment aspect of it, it's, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be involved in. And I mean, it's, I, I think eventually they'll, they'll probably come around to a night grand final, and whether that's next year or not. But um, this year has been, been, I think a good year for evolution of the game as well, just to be able to trial some things that may come in over over the next few years. So um, I'm, I'm not really against it. I'm not really for it. But yeah, like I said, I, I quite like using the red footy. So I would prefer a day grand final. Now, is that parting because, mate, I guess at 11 o'clock at night, it's not as easy to get on stage with just a massive band and, uh, and pump out a Mr. Brightside and he couldn't, couldn't get up there at half time because you obviously had to be in the change rooms. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what it did do. It actually reduced my amount of hours of sleep post the game. So I probably only had a couple of hours of sleep. Uh, and then that made the next day a little bit trickier to, to get going. But, um, yeah, no, it's, um, it was a really interesting. We probably didn't leave the ground until 1 o'clock because... Um, Shane Edwards had a had a, a started drug test. Um, they usually pinch a few hours after after the game, and um, due to the hot weather up here and everything that's going on, he he, uh, he couldn't couldn't do the test for a few for a few hours there. So we had to hang around <laughs> in the bus for an hour and a half. There's an awkward one. <laughs> what was the atmosphere like? I guess you know we were chatting a little bit before about how good it would have been at the. You know, the MCG, a packed house with Richmond and Geelong, but at the Gabba, it looked reasonably full, I guess. Yeah, could you sort of determine and differentiate perhaps what it would have been like to being at a, a game at the um, oh, I, I think there's just a bit of a different in, environment in general. And I think for us, like, there's a lot, there was a lot of um, a lot of neutral supporters, I reckon, but there was also a big target contingent. So we, we obviously love playing at the, at the G. Um, the Queensland sort of becoming our home away from home, really. So, I'm hoping that we're back to head next year in whatever format playing, um, playing in front of some sort of Richmond faithful because they'll start as obviously footy or live footy this year. They're a, they're a crucial part to our, our club and we certainly miss them. Dusty Martin. Look, I think he's established himself as the best finals player ever. That was an amazing game. and he, Those crucial moments when he took the... 10% chance and kick goals. How do you rate him? Uh, oh, he's the best player I've played with. Um, and uh, I, I really rate Alex Francis. Probably he was from mine maybe three or four years ago. He was the best player that I'd, I'd played with and seen it. When Dustin just, I mean, he just shows it up when we need him. He's our sort of um, break glass in case of emergency. He, he, he impacted the, the game just before halftime with that goal and sort of got us closer that then. Um, Maybe we deserve to be after Geelong were on top, and then um, in that third quarter and in, this, in that second half, he was he was phenomenal. So um, and he's a, he's just a star, an absolute star, and a great person as well, and someone who we um, we're very lucky to have. Mate, I know a lot of the focus is on field at the moment. Obviously, the work that Dim has done and yourself as a leader of the club and all. But how important is like Benny Gale? I mean, I know Ben quite well Brennan and he's obviously you know said a few years ago set a monumental task of saying you're going to get three flags you're going to get uh, 75,000 members etc or whatever how important has he been behind the scenes and surely he's got to be the next CEO of the AFL he's got to be at the top of the uh, yeah, well, I, I think 
sort of people pigeonholing into that. But um, I mean, the club will fight tooth and nail to keep him because he's so valuable. Um, it, 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 it was the game he's never played in the boardroom. It's so important to have stability in in all aspects of your um your football club. We are an organisation. Whilst whilst we're still a, a sporting team, we're we're a business and we need to be run properly. And that stability sort of feeds through into the coaching ranks, and feeds through into the playing ranks. So from Brendan and and, and Peggy right down to Dimmer and, and Trent and, and myself by extension of that, it's it's important to have those those type of leaders and. The Chief just gets it. He does it right. He's lived an AFL career, so he's seen the player aspect of it. He's been a part of the AFLPA, so he's seen that aspect of it. And now he's at Clubland and, and succeeding and setting lofty goals for, for us, and, and we've been able to achieve them. So we're, we, um, we're very lucky to have him at the helm, and um, he's, a, he's a great person to boot to and another great Tasmanian as well, which, uh, which I think we both like to lean on. As an extension of that, mate, do you still remember, I guess, the, the time when, I guess, Dimmer's future was really under a bit of a cloud? Obviously, the, the club was struggling a bit before it all got turned around. I guess, does that still sit fresh in your mind, given you'd obviously spent a few um, Yeah, no, it, it does. It's, it's always good to reflect. And I'm trying to actually probably talk about it uh, at length a, a bit, really, and just reminisce on, on where we've come from. And, and probably, as, as you're saying, Smithy, like probably four years ago, four and a half years ago, post-2016, was the real low point for for a lot of people at the club, um, and even the the jungle drums were beating um, unfairly, I think, on, on Dimmer and and his coaching um, coaching role at the club all through the back end of 2016, right into to 2017, and um, I think there's a few people out there in in media land that were sort of hoping for blood in the water and and, and really circling for it, but I mean we started 2017 with a bang and. Um, we had a bit of a different uh, game plan, um, and it, and it sort of succeeded, and that sort of set us up. It could have easily gone the other way, and we and we lost the first five, and and the story would be a lot different. But um, we found something that worked for us. We attached ourselves to it, and here we are, four years later, and, and three premierships down, and um, yeah, arguably one of one of the best teams to to play in the modern era. So it's. Um, it's a bloody, it's it's one hell of a story, but it's been one hell of a ride as well. Certainly has been amazing. Okay, who was MVP BOG in the celebrations? Now you're always pretty good in that in that yeah. uh, area, but who performed uh, best? Pretty good. Um, he had a night off last night though, so I'm I'm taking him down a peg. I gave him the three votes on. 360 last night, but he was pretty sheepish last night. <laughs> you did too. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, Dion Prestia, very funny, very very funny. Um, he's probably well, he's probably the one that flew the way, I reckon. To me, does it get hard? Obviously, mate, family <laughs> man, the the kids, you know, the wife's up there, and you've got to have the duties as well. Get harder, mate, just to go as hard, uh, yeah, go as hard as some <laughs> of the younger boys who uh, don't have as many responsibilities. Oh, I, I don't know whether you. Uh, um, I still got to get up at seven a.m. in the morning, so it's really on my own back what time I get home. So, um, yeah, if I finish late, then you just serve the consequences the next day. So, um, no, that's been good. The one thing we've been able to do up here is sort of really internalise everything, and, and because there's only a, really a travelling party of maybe eighty to a hundred, we've sort of just kept it in house, and, and the celebrations are 
uh, really just between us and the family and, and staff for the year. So it's been a really nice aspect of it as well. Um, looking forward to getting back to Victoria sometime, actually celebrating with, with the fans and, and having some sort of um, family day around that because um, ultimately there's 100,000 people who have put their hard-earned money in this year and haven't been able to go to one game of footy. So it's, um, it's, it's been good. Um, I'm certainly feeling it at the moment, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be dry for it. For a few weeks after uh, after the last three days, <laughs> we're looking forward. To, I think you're coming to Carbine on Friday to speak, which will be good because you've done it before and been fantastic. But mate, what's the future hold for Jack Rewite? And I don't mean how long you've got to play, but are you going to be one of these guys going to coaching, or are you going to stick to looking at a media role? Because you obviously you just seem so uh, you just fit into the media so well. Um, what, what's what do you want to do into your future uh, once you're finished playing? Coaching interests me, but. Um, there's, I think, I think I'll hopefully end up in the in the media. But um, I mean, I, I really don't know. A lot of things change. I'm looking at a mate of mine who who coached at Geelong, Sean Grigg, who was sort of never really into coaching, and then all of a sudden he got approached about doing it, and thought, oh well, I'll give it a crack, and, and he loves it. So you, you just don't know. I mean, I, I love footy, and um, I love being around clubland, but. Also, I love being a part of the Foxwoody team as well. They've been they've been great for me and um, and really helped me grow as a person. And that might be the there might be a path for me there. So um, not a hundred percent sure, but I've started thinking about it a little bit more now. So I know that I'm certainly um, certainly at the back end of my career. <laughs> so, are you thinking at this point? Is the club discussing the possibility of four out of five? Oh. Nah. Do you do you start thinking about it, or do you just let it go and see how much? Uh, I think there's, there's always some sort of um, thought process in the back of your mind about it because you you do think about those sort of things, but um, yeah, it's hard to say. We're we're obviously in a pretty pretty little sweet spot at the moment. Um, we've got a good side, and we could do it again, but we'll we'll have to grow and evolve as we've we've always done over the last four years and. Um, there's plenty of sides that are chasing our tail, so uh, wanting to knock us off. So we know that it's going to be as harder than ever to, to go back to the promised land, but um, we'll be up for the fight. Mate, just one last one for me. Has COVID helped or hindered a Tassie side in the AFL? Uh, in the future? I actually don't know. Um, I think financially the AFL was obviously in a bit of a tricky position. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I don't know whether I can give you an answer on that one, to be honest, but I don't know whether it's going to hurt it or, or help it. Uh, I feel like the – unfortunately, I feel like it's probably been parked a little bit due to the fact that the AFL's got so, much, so many more things on their plate now with obviously this season being the way it's looked. And uh, I just hope that it can get back on the agenda again and, and that support can continue to build because it's certainly growing and, and um, there's a few people I know at AFL House that are, that are starting to look at it as a – as a viable prospect, and, and oh, I mean, we all know what footy means to Tasmanians, and for them to have their own side would be um, would make it a truly national competition. Awesome, mate! Thank you very much for your time, Jack. We really appreciate it with everything that's going on, and, and know what it's like moving house. And congratulations on another flag, and uh, and you'll see each other yeah. in family dinner. Very good. Happy for Christmas. <laughs> Thanks for having a chat, mate, and a great Thanks year. Thanks very much, guys. Good on you.
Well, that was a great chat with Jack Rewalt, and uh, we have got a fair lineup planned. Uh, unfortunately, as we said in the intro, the struggle is to actually get them into the studio or on the phone. And at this stage, how are we going? Because we're relying upon relations. Uh, that was your relation, Jack Rewalt, and what a great chat. And he's a ripper in the media. Caitlin Barry, who's normally here, and she couldn't even make it, let alone her relation, uh, Matty Wade, the captain of the Tasmanian Tigers, struggling with him. Bryn Hall said no. So let's, I think we've just got to pad a little bit <laughs> until we see if anyone, we can actually get hold of anyone. At this stage, uh, okay, let's go through a few of the games that we had a look at a couple of weeks ago, the grand finals. The uh, TSL, of course, a bit of a surprise to all of us, I think, that Launceston came out and won that game. And we hear there's a bit of friction now in the club at uh, North Lonnie. Yeah, so some news dropping. Steve Old just dropping yeah. some bombs here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, it was it was a ripping grand final. I guess on the same day I had to cover the SFL, so I didn't get to see a lot of it. Um, but you see the aftermath, low scoring, uh, really spiteful game. Very spiteful. <laughs> Mitch Thorpe. Yeah, he's caught in a few he? weeks. Uh, didn't have a disposal, Mitch, on the day, if you had a well, look at the stats. Well, depends how you, well, how you put <laughs> He certainly disposed <laughs> of a couple. Might have, yeah, landed a couple of punches there. But, look, good on them. They obviously, you know, a bit of a, a dethroning of the king, wasn't it, that North Launceston have been the powerhouse. And, and they took it up to him and, and got the chocolates. So uh, he was pretty wrapped about that. But, yeah, it sounds like the aftermath has been a little bit interesting at North Launceston. And uh, I know I had a chat to Jay Schultz uh, last week, I think it was, about heard a, a whisper that he was in at least a coaching sort of capacity potentially there. And he said he'd been speaking to both clubs uh, and hadn't more so with North Lonnie. Um, but, yeah, not still not sure what Taylor Whitford's uh, future holds at this stage. SFL? I'm hearing murmurs that he's he's gone from North Lonnie. Oh, there's, a, there's a scoop for us. Scoop. That's, over, that's the murmurs I'm hearing. So okay, but take note of this because it's the only scoop we'll ever have. Yeah, so we're trying to get some scoops on it now. So there's the first one. And I, but, but going back to what you said to me, the credit to Lonnie. I mean, they took out seniors' development uh, ladies and under 18s. That is a fair effort. And I chatted to uh, Mitch on RSN Radio that I do with Gareth Hall and. And I've heard different things about Thorpey, but he could not have been more professional or a better person to speak to. And um, professional, and he was just a credit to his footy club. And I'm not surprised how well Lonnie did now that I've had a couple of conversations with Mitch because he, he come across as a real ripper. Um, and as I said, he, he might not have done much on the ground on the weekend, but geez, the, um, the way he spoke and obviously the leadership he provides, he's done one hell of a job. Oh, that club no up there. And, yeah, I mean, we, we might, you know, he, I don't know his role again because I didn't see the game fully, but, you know, his presence out there takes a key defender away. And then when you I think got, it was an MMA role. <laughs> <laughs> and when you've got a Dylan Riley and then you've got, you know, these other, a Joby Harper who can go forward and kick goals and these types, he doesn't need to get a lot of the ball to actually have an impact. So, you know, if he's dragging their best defender out of position and freeing it up, well, that might have played a part in the actual... I've just got to ask one more before Dave does it. Jay Schultz, though. So if Jay Schultz is coming down to Tassie, which obviously your story said he is, why wouldn't the Southern clubs down here be going nail and tongs to get him? Even if he lives in Launceston, it's two-hour drive. Why wouldn't... Uh, uh, is anyone going after him? Oh, they may do. I guess it's just... So his wife is from Launceston, and my understanding is they may have bought a block up that way. So I think it was just the logical that he'll, he'll start conversations with those two clubs. But um, look... There's some clubs there, or for all five clubs in southern Tasmania would be, you know, not doing their due diligence, would they, if you didn't at least reach out and see where he was at. Playing-wise, I think, what is he, 35, 36, look, he's clearly, he did say his body's banged up and, and he wasn't sure if he wanted to play, but... Jeez, if you've got Jay Schultz in the TSL just standing in the goal square. Lock him in the goal square. Dean Noonan back out of retirement. <laughs> yeah, we're all it's, back. Yeah, so look, that might happen. And, and look, 
talking to uh, to a few people. He may or have already had a, f- a few discussions with the likes of a Clarence and a North Hobart potentially, um, but you think that they will at least reach out and see that if that's a possibility of him yeah, coming down the, the highway. Okay, very quickly, SFL, we're happy with the result. It was a great game, yeah, an absolute ripper game. Look, Huonville deserved it in the end. It was, you know, they, had, they did it the hard way. They had to play the extra week, the extra two weeks, and um, ran over the top of a Signet side who... Early in that last quarter, they looked like they were home. You know, um, Thor Boscott was just incredible. Uh, he nearly was best on in a losing side. And they kicked a goal, I think, with about five or six minutes gone in the last. They were nearly two goals up. And you could almost sense that it was going to be their day. But Huonville just found another gear. And, yeah, look, all credit to uh, to them and Timmy Lamperl. It was a great effort and just a good game. And just a shame that they could only get 1,000 people in there. So Just a very quick one on the hockey as well. We had Gene Flanagan in, uh, the captain of OHA, and a good result. Yeah, yeah, it was. I guess, you know, she mentioned that it was going to be a tough a tough grind and, and their opponent in the Diamondbacks were probably the side they didn't want to play. And, and it showed that way in the result, didn't it? So they had to work hard and... And, and a good result for the club, given, I guess, the troubles that they've sort of had over the last sort of month, as we know. So um, I no doubt they would have been celebrating pretty hard as well. No, it was good. I mean, go back to the footy. I other thing, it was great to see Humanville win. I mean, I know when I was president several years ago, Signet were always the top side, and they've obviously been down a bit, but back up. But um, there's a ripping group of people down at Humanville. I know a few of the Mount Pleasant, Mount Pleasant boys that didn't play in the, what is it, the ODFA this year, actually went down to Humanville and played. So they won another flag, a few of those boys in the seniors and reserves. So uh, I know, know what the Mount Pleasant boys are like. I think they're still celebrating, Andrew Wright and the boys. I think they'd be still on the grog somewhere on the way back <laughs> to, uh, to Oatland. So. so it's not Mad Monday, it's Mad. November. Yeah, it is for those guys, if you know them. <laughs> kind of season it's been, hasn't it? So, well, a few of them, and they roll into cricket now, don't they? I guess we got we got a, uh, I think we had a story in the following week. So Dylan Hay um, kicked a couple of goals in the last quarter for Huonville. He's won a flag. He's no doubt celebrated for a couple of days. Straight into the first grade side for Kingborough on the cricket on the weekend, and, and away he went. So, I mean, from a personal point of view, the footy season's been great, but... I still just have a little bit of time now and, yeah, we roll into local cricket and obviously with the, the Tigers and the WBBL starting up in Sydney. Now we better tr- see if we can find an actual guest. <laughs> have a look in your phone, Smithy, see if we've got anyone in there. Scrolling through. We could ring Dom again, couldn't we? Do you reckon Dom would come yeah, back? Surely we get Dom. Dom's always up for a chat, isn't he? Is he related to any of us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a distant relation of one of us, surely. Well, after uh, a relation that we managed to get on today on the Tassie Sports Lounge, Jack Rewalt, who's Smithy's cousin, we've tried to get someone else. Uh, here's my nephew, Simon Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> Being a good golfer is no way related to me. <laughs> no, but. no he, look, he, it's hard to believe on this great show that this guy isn't related to one of us because that's the only people we can get. But Simon Hawks, <laughs> mate, you're a bit of a Tassie uh, golfing legend. Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thank you very much for your time. I am just was really aware of you in 2019. I remember you won the uh, the Vic. Yeah, 2018 won the Victorian. 2018, yeah. was it? Yeah. And, and you're on a bit of a roll at that stage and then yeah. 2019 comes around, then suddenly COVID – How's COVID really dampened your career prospects as far as that's concerned? Um, it was kind of interesting. So 2019 had a lot of international sort of um, opportunities, so a few extra European tour starts, that sort of stuff. Got straight in the final stage of European qualifying school. So definitely a lot of big opportunities there. And this was going to be my last year of my Australian category. So there was definitely a lot of, you know, there was a, lot of things, a lot of things were building, things like that, you know. Like, you know, I was really itching to kind of get back overseas again after finding some form at the start of the year. And then um, – 
Yeah, I know. I, I still remember it's the, the Victorian Open this year on the range. Everyone's standing around going, intending to play the China Tour this year. The guys going, oh, if I just get it, I'll come back and, you know, just get my flu shot and everything will be fine. And then, <laughs> you know, like we actually, we had the, we had the New Zealand Open. I know. We had the New, we had the New Zealand Open then pretty much I said the, I got back in the state and then the borders were closed three days later or whatever it was. So it was, yeah, it happened pretty fast as we all remember. And yeah, international golf is, um, yeah, it's like every sport. It's been very interesting, you know. A very interesting world to live in. I suppose we see the top level in the PGA Tour underway, but it must be such a grind in a way on those lower tour levels, mate, when you're trying to sort of work your way up. What's life like as a, a professional in the world when you're, I guess, yeah, you're trying to work your way and, and get starts at bigger events? It's it's just that, that carrot you're seeing dangled just out of reach for a long period of time for a lot of guys. You know, as much as Tiger Woods as an athlete has, has lifted the game of golf into these astronomical heights of, you know, PGA Tour now being a multi-billion dollar franchise, you know, what it's attracted is a lot of guys who may have not have even thought about taking up golf, you know, guys who are just athletes, they could have just picked their sport, yeah. have decided, you know, you know, sitting in a golf cart making 20 million bucks a year is a pretty easy way to yeah. do it. I noticed you're looking at oldie because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. an athlete who could take on anything. Oh, I know, I can, I can. Still, he probably still thinks he's got a senior tour career. No, no, Trust me, too. I don't do golf. <laughs> no, but like I said, it's, but for, for guys like me, it's, there's, there's very little difference between guys making my level of money and the guys who are just making good money on the European tour because there just are so many guys. Can you survive there. on it? You can if you're playing well. Like it, my my job is the greatest job in the world when you're playing well, and it's the worst job in the world when you're playing bad. Because yeah. that would make it tough. Like <laughs> not only your performance is just so closely related to your income and to yeah. your survival. Yeah. So do people travel with you? Like do you have a partner? Do you have family that goes with you, or is no, it pretty no, much a solo? No, you're it, on your it own. Is, it is a solo thing. It can be a lot of the times. There's a lot of guys, you know, Australian guys as well overseas. We'll, we'll kind of buddy up and we'll, we'll travel to events. You know, if yeah. whoever's in that part of the world at that time. But a lot of the time is, is if you don't like sitting in airports by yourself for ten hours, this is not the career for you. Far right, that's hard. So if you're not playing, sorry, if you're not playing well, like you're just saying, if you're not playing well, you've you, you're on on phone calls to family or someone back home, but you've got no one really to rely on I, other than some it, other there, golfing. There, there mate. is there is an example I'll use is Asian qualifying school in 2017. Like I've I've shot 12 under over the weekend to f- to think I've gotten in on the number. Then two guys shot 62 to knock me out to not even get in the final. So I shot 12 under, didn't even get in the final stage. I'm sitting in you know a hotel in Thailand somewhere, like it's in the middle of absolute nowhere, and it just can just sometimes be well, this is what being professional golf is about. You know? <laughs> Does it play with your head? Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely for a certain type of person because the golf part of it's the most easiest part of the actual sport. You know, going to the golf course mm. and playing golf is the easy part. The part about like I'm saying, arranging your travel, you know, uh, just, you know, being away for long periods of time. It's just a certain type of person. And there's been some amazing golfers who just haven't either kicked on as a professional or just quit because that's the actual part you have to actually deal with, you know. It's not like – and, you know, it's been frustrating this year seeing guys like oh, – I'll pick on the AFL, unfortunately. These guys complain about staying in the Hyatt in a, in, a, in a bubble complaining about they're being away for their family <laughs> for two weeks. And I'm Good saying there, there are guys who are literally – Guys like me would be away in China, which we can't speak a word of Chinese for eight yeah. weeks, you know, living in pretty rough hotels just because we're we're just that close to actually being, you know, you know, within reach of playing, you know, majors and stuff like that, World Golf Championships. So well, let's ask that question. How close are you to playing a major? Oh, I mean I, No, 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 actually, no, 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 coming around to that, no, they like Because that's to, a really interesting back, question. Back, back to two thousand eighteen, like I was I went to England to qualify for the US Open at Walton Heath and 
after 18 holes, I was I was on top of the board, and that's probably if there's if there's one time in my life I actually felt there was one round I'd do over again, it was that one. That would have been that afternoon round to get into Shinnecock that year, which was like I said, I was playing really well that time. I'd finished third at the WA PGA the week before and everything like that, and sort of got it. You know, I was playing really well, and then that was just you know just three hours. I just didn't quite have it for that next three hours, and but that's the thing about it. It's a European Tour field. There's there's 20 spots in the US Open, but these this is literally the European Tour there on a Monday to to play for those 20 spots and that was that was about as close as I've ever got but that that one there yeah, that one hurts but you know it gives you confidence in knowing that I enjoy playing that golf course and that's the thing about this sport is sometimes it's always you, you you're taking steps back to work towards to get those opportunities again you know next time I'm, I'm going to be there I'm going to be more prepared for that sort of opportunity and that's it doesn't take much you know you, do, you make one opportunity just creates more and more opportunities and that's you know, it's, it's truly what it's about, just being prepared for the moment when the moment comes. It's incredible. I mean, I'm getting right into my golf at the moment. I'm watching a yeah. lot. You watch a lot of videos and a lot of YouTube, but <laughs> yep. you see the professionals and they're always tinkering with their swing, regardless of whether they've been at the top or not. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's not good enough for them. No, that they feel as though they need some more consistency well, or whatever well, it is. It's and like, it's, I, I, I can't speak for another sports, another sports I have played, but I haven't played to that level. But it's always about... It's always about just a, a cycle of you know you're at your you're best your best of your ability best of your ability then you start falling off. The, the real great players have the ability to to work their way back around to that point where they're on top again. You know, and a lot of that can be just from consistent work, understanding their their basics, their fundamentals of how they play the game, and those sorts of things. So that's that's what golf is always trying to do. Is, is the absolute best guys can always play better for long periods of time because they just fully understand how their game works. But you in, in and there are guys as well, the most streaky players ever, which can work as well. Though guys might win, you know, once every two years, but miss forty nine cuts on top of that. So there's there's different structures of how to they do it. They just need to get a decent paycheck no, they have every one time. Week. No, <laughs> but they're, they're guys who are just finishers. You know, yeah. when they're at the top of the board, they finish off and win the golf tournament. Yeah. That's just that's just the way they're wired. You know, yeah. but but then if they're you know, ten shots out. If they're ten shots behind the lead after the first round, they're going out and having a drink, and they don't really care about what happens in the second <laughs> round. They're on the next week. So, yeah. no, it's it, golf's got a lot of individuals, and that's sort of the great thing about this sport is there's 150 guys playing each week, and there's 150 different ways to do it. So, where do you fit in? I think well, we've got you're 31. Yeah. So, where do you fit in the scheme of age? Was you one of the younger guys in in the 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 comps you play, or are I, you? No, there's definitely there's always the 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 next the step of amateurs coming through the the. The guys coming straight out of being twelve-year-olds, <laughs> the prodigies. There's they're, they're, they're sixteen, fourteen-year-olds out there. The and Tiger Woods scared. of the world. They've probably yeah, they, they've, they've had a golf club in their hands since they were two, and they've, yeah. they've had their, their instruction, you know, for you know, they were twelve years worth of golf instruction by the time they're Mad, sixteen, and they're, they're ready to go. And that's that's more what it's about, you know. When I was coming through, if you were kind of half decent at sixteen, if you could get somewhere by the time you were twenty-four, that was yeah, done well. was going well. But I yeah. think. A lot of the, the golfing code, and I think it's the same with every sport, is they've, they've worked out ways to build athletes faster. So, you know, kids nowadays, they're taking they're, – they're specialising in sports at a younger age. They're getting the, the proper tuition from a younger age. So they're – everyone's – a bit of advice that. for everyone out there. Get your kid into it when they won. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, well, the see, I, I, I'd almost go the exact opposite. Well, the, my personal – from what I've witnessed is that it's more about the individual – the individual drive of the athlete is going to be the thing that's going to determine them long term. Like you still go out on the Australasia tour, you watch guys like Peter Lonard in his fifties. He's still probably practicing out there more than anybody. Just loves it. It's, it's the mastery of craft. I think it's the drive of mastery of craft is, is the greatest asset an athlete can have. Yeah. What what does this summer shape up for you, mate? We've seen obviously a lot of events in Melbourne get closed down on the Australian summer purely on the COVID basis. I guess yeah. Where do you? What's your plan over the next few weeks? We saw you at the Southern Open 
last weekend. So sort of yeah. I saw first tournament competitive for a little while. It was a, yeah, it was a long time. That was sort of it's it sort of, and that's sort of the you can no matter what amount of practice you do, you still need to get yourself in a competition environment to just work out what happens when when that mindset starts happening and then when there's actually something on on the line. So those sort of things, I look at that and I'm. Working, you know, actually hopefully in the next few weeks I'll be actually finally be able to go see my golf coach in Melbourne for the first time since February. So that sort of helps. You know, phone calls and all that and video stuff's great, but, you know, still the actual interaction of being in front of someone, is you just can't have any exchange for that. But, yeah, it's there is a schedule that the Australasia Tour and Golf Australia and all them are really working really hard to try and put something together for us to play. But it's just week-to-week basis at the moment. Like, we're, we're finding out only 24 hours before the public find out about these events cancellations. So... They're obviously working their hardest to, to get them there, but it's yeah. There's a lot. There's a, you know when sports like cricket and the AFL have got their backs against the wall. Unfortunately, golf is one of those sports that are going to be having an even harder time on top of that. So, mate, what sort of player are you? How many golf clubs have you bent or smashed? Are, are you that sort I, of person? I, have, you, have you thrown any? What oh, you- everyone's gone through that, but like I worked out pretty quickly that it takes a long time to get stuff in Tasmania replaced. So, <laughs> <laughs> what was your worst? What was the worst thing you ever did? Oh, worst thing I ever did. Well, here's the thing. Golf is one of those weird sports where you can do something that's absolutely mild and that seems to be the worst thing in the world they could possibly do where, you know, if I if I happen to to have smashed my club against the side of a bunker in front of a club captain on tour somewhere, that got me dragged in front of the tournament office where two fairways over, someone's tipped their whole bag into the water. Hasn't, <laughs> hasn't been seen by the rules official, that's fine. That was, that was oldie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see Bright, like Bryson rips the driver head off his driver yeah. at a major and the next round there's probably got 15 of them sitting oh, out the back, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, I mean I, the, if when you're getting paid millions of dollars a year, $20,000 fine is just the price of doing business, <laughs> I think. So. Well, that's Smithy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So are you sponsored? Are you sponsored? No, no. So a lot of this is coming still straight out of my pocket. Um, it's it's sort of been one of those structures of how golf's changed and also with Australian golf as well. You know, think back to the 90s of the amount of TV coverage and all that sort of stuff we have and, you know, a lot of those sort of corporate sponsors are sort of, you know, have gone by the wayside over this years. And also as well how – Golf as well has become more of a sort of, you know, TV coverage has come better with golf and everything like that. So people's ability to watch, you know, international product, let's say the PGA Tour or the European Tour yeah. week in, week out is probably, you know, it, it makes it harder for the, for like the Asian Tour and the Japan Tour and all that sort of stuff to sort of to get the players and also just the general exposure, you know. Yeah, okay. there's, there's a lot going on, you know. There's, there's just information all the makes time. It hard. Well, yeah. mate, thanks so much for coming in. Have a great 2021. That's what we're aspiring towards. Yep. And if you want a bit of extra cash, Aldi wants to swing. You know, can you come <laughs> and mentor Aldi? <laughs> doesn't have enough cash. I don't reckon, <laughs> I don't reckon he's got that much time. <laughs> a, bit of, a, bit of, a bit of swing doctor he's yeah. picked him already. He said, not, not, not enough to fix it. <laughs> Take two weeks off and quit. That's it. <laughs> I don't mate. even think I need the two weeks, Joe. Uh, good luck in 2021. Thanks for having me on, guys. Simon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, another great show. I think we'd all agree, wouldn't we, the three of us? Oh, magnificent. Smithy? There are some disappointments. Uh, <laughs> lots, of, lots of guests? No, no. no. <laughs> very few guests, uh, very few people who we intended to have on turned up. Uh, Michael Jordan, I, look, I know Michael listens to this and I've put in a lot of effort trying to get hold of him to get on here. Um, it's just getting a bit frustrating and a bit humiliating <laughs> too. I think it's about time, Michael, uh, MJ, just it's an opportunity for you and you haven't – I don't think a lot of people in Tasmania have heard enough about you, so there's an opportunity here for you. Hey, something I'd like to touch on just before we go. Uh, Oldie, you asked Jack Rewalt, who we did get on the show because he was Smithy's relative. He's your cousin. <laughs> uh, what do you think – you asked him the question about whether you think we'll, he thinks we'll get an AFL side in Tassie off the back of COVID and what's happened. What do you think? You didn't actually 
Uh, yeah, well, look, I, I'm a believer. I think it'll just force the hand of the AFL to get a Tassie side in, and I think it'll be a relocated side. And I reckon North Melbourne will be the one, let's be honest, because they are financially, from all accounts, struggling. So, it makes and it's sense, always doesn't gonna, it, to get well, a relocated side? It won't be a new side. They're not going to put a new licence in post-COVID, so it's going to be a relocated side. of. And I think as part of all the discussions AFL is going to have financially, they've got all these issues around how do they increase salary caps for coaches, all that sort of stuff. I think it makes sense to say that the pressure will come on North Melbourne to move, and I think – the conversation, as we know, the Premier's already started. I think, Smithy, you're probably talking to the Premier about it, is that the government's already talking about conversations with both Hawthorne, uh, North Melbourne and the AFL. Let's be honest. Hawthorne's not going to be here. North Melbourne's a logical one. They were going to come down years ago. And I think that the pressure will just come on. A bit like you said off, off air, though, Dave, we've got to get an understanding of when it's going to happen, a vision for Tasmanian football, what it means for local footy and all that sort of things, and not muck around saying let's just wait another year or two to find out. There needs to be a long-term vision for footy in Tasmania. Yeah, it's got to be an integrated vision. I agree with you 100%. I, I truly think this is going to force their hand because they're not going to be able to have the cash to be able to maintain and support clubs like they have in the past. North Melbourne are the biggest bas- basket case, sadly. And I think you're right. It's got to be a vision for how the next league down and then the grassroots footy exist within that, having an AFL side. We've got to have a league that's capable of having players who don't play in the AFL one week to be able to play and sustain their form. Like that, that's a, got to be a part of that conversation. So I'd love to see it and I'd love to see what that vision is and I'd love to think that by 2025 we have that side. Is the sticking point still potentially it's not a, a, being a relocated side? We've heard obviously – you know, you're moving a brand already that may have Tasmania in it or would have to have Tasmania in it if they're the Tasmanian kangaroos or whatever. It's always been that sticking point of we don't want a side coming down that's not Tasmanian. And if that's the only way that it was ever going to happen, do you think the Premier would change his mind around that? I think it's got a 100%. It's a good question. I think it has to be the Tassie kangaroos or whatever. It's got to have Tasmania in the name. I was a fierce advocate years ago to say, I don't want North Melbourne or anyone to relocate on our own side, but realistically it's not going to happen. I think we can accept a side coming down to Tasmania if it's relocated if the brand becomes Tasmania. The end result is you're, not going, you're only going to have a certain amount of Tasmanians like anything. They're going to play in all other sides. It's not like a sport where we can say, oh, we want to have 10 Tasmanians in it. It's never going to happen. So as long as it's got Tasmania in the name and it's not called, I say North Melbourne, obviously it's not going to be North Melbourne if they're in Tasmania, but if the branding's all about Tasmania and there is a real focus on turning into a relocated fair income Tasmanian side, I think it'll tick the boxes for um, the people of Tasmania. But my only other thing is it's got to bring in, like me and Dave talked about, it's got to bring local footy in on it as well. This can't just be about a... Um, let's be honest, funding an AFL side to come to Tasmania and local footy is still not being rude. When I say crap, the quality is not crap, but the, the identity of football in Tasmania, when we're losing footy clubs left, right and centre and all these leagues, we have to fix it. Somewhere along the line, it's got to be fixed. I think Absolutely. we've decided that. So, Peter Gutwin, if you can listen, and Gillan McLaughlin, I know he's a big fan of uh, the Tassie Sports Lounge as well. Uh, he makes a lot of comments on our social media. and uh, Number one show, no, aren't we? He's our number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, MJ. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Gillen, if you can bring that uh, to conclusion to its logical conclusion, we'd really appreciate that. Thanks, boys. Another great show, and uh, we'll see who we can dig up next week. Uh, so, who are we aiming? For? Is Jordan still on the agenda well, for show five, or what are we well, doing? I'm still chasing him, but you did announce that Ben uh, Benny Gale is your cousin. So. <laughs> we can get we can get to continue the footy focus. Oh, look, I'll put on, I'll go for the premier. I'll see if I can get the premier on. 
next show. Are you I'll, related to him? No, no. Well, he'd be hoping not. So um, I'll see if I can get the Premier on. We'll talk all things footy, basketball, cricket, netball. We'll find out any other sport we can find. Soccer, we'll see if we're going to get a soccer side. Well, let's announce it now. Our major guest next time is he's put it, Well, he's just put it on the airwaves. You can't back out now. At least I'd do it off air so if I fail, at least <laughs> it's not out in the public domain. We've got to put it out there. No, we've got to get the listeners ready for the next show, surely. The world's greatest sports podcast, the Chelsea Sports Lounge.